This weekend, Fox News interviewed Reese Witherspoon, and the discussion included her parenting beliefs of not only letting kids fail, but being comfortable in being the one to advise them when they're not very good at something. Raising Joyful Children in an Angry World, a podcast dedicated to faithful parents navigating their families through a stormy culture. This is Raising Joyful Children in an Angry World. I'm Paul Osborne, your host. Today, I want to tackle American pragmatism, its limits, and how discovering talents in the kingdom of heaven is very different. Now, the conversation of the interview with Reese Witherspoon, you could hear it with a hundred moms who are dealing with what's going on right now when your child comes home and, hey, I didn't get the part in the play. I didn't make the team. I didn't score any baskets. Mothers are all going to see things a little bit differently, but being honest with them and saying, maybe you need to try something else. If a mom sees that, then the mom should say that. James Clear is another pragmatist. Uh, He wrote a book called Atomic Habits. I've talked about it before. But he gives us Michael Phelps and this guy, Hisham L. Garouge. I can't pronounce the last name. Phelps is about 6'4", and Hisham is 5'9". And he says they have one thing in common. They have the same inseam. So Phelps has like this surfboard body, right? Long torso. He's built and he's a gold medalist in swimming, where Hisham is 5'9". So he's got these long legs, and that's why he won uh, a gold medal in, in running. And he points out and says, look, what we're given and what we're born with doesn't determine our destiny, but it does determine our opportunities. And then, of course, there's Malcolm Gladwell in his book, Outliers, in which he correlates Canadian Youth Hockey League. And he says, when you look at the guys that actually make it to the minors and then the NHL, they're generally kids who have late birthdays, so the oldest kid on the team, and they get more instruction and more playing time. Maybe you should have an older kid on a sports team. Now, all of this advice is bathed in pragmatism. One is, look, when something negative happens, you get negative feedback. Will you look and try to find something else? That was Reese Witherspoon. The second one is, hey, look at how you're uniquely different and advantaged in the world with the Michael Phelps and the gold medalist story. And this wisdom is to use what you're born with in order to score in the world. And then the third one is, well, hey, look, this is how the world works. And so this is how to position yourself in order to gain credibility and applause and the trophies and the positions in the world. These ideas are not evil. They work in the world. and, And the Bible doesn't tell us that we shouldn't try to succeed in the world. But when these ideas, when this pragmatism becomes preeminent, it has a way of robbing our kids from joy because of the world is fickle. It it programs us to start to live by sight, live in the moment. That's what almost every of these life coach people talk about, live in the moment. And joy is going to be based largely on the applause and the trophies of the world. We can begin to start searching ourselves to see, oh, how can I be confirmed by the world? And now we're into some real dangerous territory. But suddenly you see your joy is based in a kingdom that can be shaken versus the scriptures that tell us the kingdom of heaven cannot be shaken. It's kind of interesting. Probably the best pragmatist is Seth Godin in his book. Uh, The practice is what it is called. But he says to his followers, look, put your best work out 
and accept that there's no guarantee that it'll be liked. And, you know, it's interesting because so many writers and artists, and this is the folks that he's, he's talking about, a lot, of the, a lot of that kind of stuff doesn't even get admired till the person's dead. We take it a little further in Christianity. We say, put your best work out before the Lord, and then let the Lord deal with this. And don't get caught up in the fickleness of the world. It's what G.K. Chesterton talks about in his book, What's Wrong with the World? He says, we're trying to conform our souls to our humanity instead of conforming our humanity to our souls. Aquinas says it a little bit differently from Romans 12, 9, but he would say something like, conform your talents to the standard of divine love. The reason the Pharisees are so miserable and the reasons that they hate Jesus is they, they're hooked on the glory and the position and the titles and the adornment of the world. And suddenly Jesus comes along and it's like, no, glorify God. And they become angry. So this whole concept in which pragmatic things that help us succeed go beyond a reasonable acceptance and we start to have a preeminent worldview that, oh boy, I need the world to love me. I want to say to you, that's where it starts to get dangerous. Yes, children should, can learn from failure. Yes, if you're six foot eight and you're a senior in high school and you're really good and coordinated, maybe basketball is your game. But we got to be careful that practical outcomes, behavior management, body size, the world's additions, the combines that come about in that world are not going to help us discover the talents that God has given us in the kingdom of heaven. And so this has to be part of our parenting concept as we're trying to help them discover the gifts that God has given them. Because God does not work the way the world works. The Apostle Paul was not an impressive speaker or personality. Moses stuttered. David was the smallest among his brothers. God gives us these kinds of stories over and over. Secondly, God's talents are timeless. They're eternal. They're broad. They're wonderful. And we'll talk about a few of those. But also, and probably more importantly, God is timeless. God knows what your child is going to be like two years, five, 10, 15, 30 years from now, and he knows all of the things that they're going to face. And so the gifts and talents from God are super important, more so than the applause of the world. In the parable of the talents, we see it, right? There, there's three men, and, and one of them turns his talents and he gets it into tenfold, and the other one, I think, is twofold, and the one buries his talent. And the reason he buries his talent is because his view of God is that God is mean and condemning and, and judgmental, has a wrong understanding of God, and the other two see God as one who is abundant and loving and encouraging. And they, of course, have great success in the multiplication of their talent. So first and foremost, we've got to understand God is different. We've got to share the stories that God gives us regarding talents, and we've got to have our kids understanding who God is in order to see the talents that he has given. What God decides about our talents won't be the same gifts for everybody. This is something else our kids need to understand and comprehend, that in the kingdom, we're not like, we're not like a, a business. We're not a sports team. 
we're human beings that have been made by the hand of God, and we're placed in a kingdom in which different gifts work together to make the kingdom joyful for all of us, and all of us glorify God in that. So, first and foremost, uh, faith has to emphasize and it has to learn to trust the promise of God. That even when sometimes we're not very good at something, God says he's going to uh, complete the work that he has started in us. And so we've got to have some trust in that. And that's going to come from prayers, from songs of worship, and from stories about how the king works. And we've got to grasp this relationship. And so when you start to grasp it and you start to get the right Bible verses, suddenly you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. Suddenly you don't see yourself as a victim, but as a conqueror, because the Bible tells us I'm more than a conqueror because my king is Jesus Christ. And so these stories that we begin to plant and tell the souls of our kids are important so that they're not contaminated by the stories that the world tells them. Now, I want to say this before we get back into a little bit closing on the garden life, but one of the things that really concerns me about the pragmatist who is searching for how do I get the world's applause, not necessarily how can I be successful and do well on my job in advance, but I'm now, there's, there's a difference between that and I need the applause, I need the approval, I need all these trophies that come to me. Because the story the world is telling many children these days is, it goes like this, you're born a certain way. It, it's who you are. And the best that you can really hope for is to make the best of who you are. The story then gets weaved into human sexuality, ethnicity, physicality, intellectual capacity. They wrap these stories in wonderful compassion, but the story is really condemning. It, it sets kids into a really a modern caste system with a little more pity for the peasantry, but it exchanges this concept of hope for acceptance. Abundance is exchanged to scarcity, and faith is removed to unbelief, and it's wrapped in this certitude that whatever bondage, whatever darkness you discover in your soul, there's nothing you're going to do about it. And so we in the world will applaud that as if you accept it. This is really kind of a dark, tricky thing that sort of leverages this pragmatism and, and love and desire for the love of the world that gets kids into, into traps. And that's why I say in the garden life, in the kingdom of heaven life, it's going to tell our kids a very different story because God sets us free. God is going to show us our talents and our gifts. Our creator who gave them to us is going to take pleasure in our relationship, forgive us and free us so that we can discover it. See, we, our God said to, to the disciples of John the Baptist when they came to Jesus and they said, you know, John's not sure if you're really the Messiah. And he said, well, the blind see, the deaf hear, the lame walk, and the dead rise. We are not stuck the way that we are born. That is, unfortunately, the story that the world is trying to import into the soul, and it impacts the discovery of the, of the talents and the gifts that God has. 
So I think we have to start with our view of God, that God blesses us, that he's generous, and we can't be like the guy that buried our talent. We have to be like the two that trusted God to bless our talent. And then those talents are eternal. Things like leadership, prophecy, something, and then prophecy is not telling the future. Prophecy is the ability to bring spiritual wisdom to complex problems, much more like a strategist. There's the artisan, the ability to bring beauty to life and design, language skills. These are the ability to communicate either in a, in a different language or to speak a language that people can relate to. There's the gift of mercy in which you have a talent to heal and comfort, and you can really have empathy for people who are hurting. And then, of course, there's the gift of the builders, the people that construct. All these gifts are really eternal, and these are gifts that God gives to us, both to his church as well as to his people in their vocational advancement. Uh, One of the other things we can be doing is giving our children, in this issue of discovering talent, something that they can have domain over in your house. This past weekend, my grandson was visiting, and he fell in love with the backyard cat, because, as most of my grandkids do, because you pick up this big cat, and he just goes like a ragdoll. And so we said, well, while you're here, it could be your job to feed him. So every morning, first thing he does is grab that big cat, throw him over his shoulder, take him over to his bowl, and go get food and give it to him. And it brought joy. And so discovering things in small domains of work like that is another way which we as parents get to see what kind of talents that God has given our kids. And lastly, I want to say this at the risk of repetition, but the stories we tell, the things we teach them to follow, the things that we help them remember as they discover their talent by seeing God as abundant and glorified in a kingdom of eternal love is the most important thing we can do in helping our children discover the talents that God has given them in the kingdom of heaven. The ultimate battle for the heart and soul is a fight for identity. Our King invites our kids to know who they are, what to believe, and where they belong. Until next time, let's remember the words, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven.